Coming up, is Jacques Vaughn doing a disservice to the organization and the player by not utilizing Cam Thomas Moore in this playoff series? We break it all down next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrick breaking down the 0-1 New Jersey Devils in their playoff push on the Devils Puck Luck podcast and the New York Football Giants on the One Giant podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And Doug, we dive in, man, on what I think is a topic that the fan base has been clamoring for. There's a couple of different angles to look at Cam Thomas and what his impact could be in this series, maybe what his impact could have been throughout the season. But it's certainly a hot-button topic amongst Brooklyn Nets fans. Yeah, look, it's one of the most confusing sort of sub-elements of the of a team that's had a very confusing season, so, which is really saying something uh, about about this Nets team, about where this Cam Thomas thing lands, because uh, it is somewhat um, an among many unprecedented things that, that have has happened with the Nets this season, and there are many. Um, this is also one of them, because we've seen situations where Cam has gone completely nuclear in the scoring department. Uh, we'll go through you know some of that performance here shortly. Um, you know, sort of on a national level, was gaining recognition for his scoring ability. And then just as much as it looks like he's, you know, I don't know if it's flying too close to the sun or whatever it is, but then he's disappeared just as quickly and sort of never to be heard from again in terms of rotation. So as we get probably toward the end of the season here, um, yeah, it really begs the question about like what the Nets should be doing with Cam Thomas here over these last few possible games and like you said in the open, like, are they doing the team and the, and the player a disservice by essentially burying him as the season comes to a close based on performances that he's had that are already on the ledger for this year? Yeah, you know, so obviously the expectation, as we said, coming into the playoff series with the 76ers, that the Nets were going to lose. And there, there's two sides of what they were trying to accomplish at the back end of the season after the trade, going into this playoff series, and then even going into this offseason. But just to kind of, you know, it's funny. We had mentioned this at one point throughout the season talking about Cam Thomas. When you go in and look at his stats, he now has two years in the NBA. And just by at a high surface level, you look at it in 21, 21 to 22, 17 minutes, 16 minutes a game. Now, those are skewed by some larger minute shares in specific matchups when a lot of the starters are sitting for the Brooklyn Nets. But I will say on a trajectory level for a young player in the league, what has Cam Thomas accomplished from year one to year two and why you can make the case he should be getting utilized more? He improved the area of his game that we said was detrimental in his rookie season, three-point shooting. On essentially the same number of attempts, he went from 27 to 38% from beyond the arc. He gets to the free throw line twice as many times as he did a year ago on basically the same minute shares. The rebounds went down. That's kind of neither here nor there. The assist numbers, which are critical, stayed essentially the same, and the points per game went up marginally. There's some other things inside of what we have talked about, the consistency and when Cam Thomas has gotten some real run, 20-plus minutes in games. But just at a high level there, as far as this player, 
does does that improvement year over year already give you pause around why Cam Thomas hasn't been more involved leading up to this moment when we're discussing it? Uh, yeah, like I, I'll, when you yeah, the answer is yes. And then when you also include the fact that like, you know, what seems to be the core issue that the Nets are having in these first couple of games, which is scoring. Yep. And you have a guy that has been able to basically score at least that element, you know, that one for one element at an elite level when he's been given, you know, a lot of minutes or like, you know, well above average level. Yeah, like it becomes really, it does become confusing. And, and I do think that there are certain numbers that back it up, specifically when you look exactly at what the Nets problem here is, right? Or perceived problem. Look, there's other downchain effect problems that can come from having Cam Thomas on the court a lot. But like, I can see why a segment of fan, maybe the whole fan base, like is looking at this and be like, hey, we just scored 84 points. In this game, in a playoff game, you have a guy that was essentially like a 50, 40, 90 guy when he was when he was given the chance to play a lot of minutes. Why the heck isn't this guy on the court when this seems to be the main issue? And yeah, and I'm with you like the stats. You're I mean, I think this is what you're asking. The, the, the stats year over year, the stats in the eye test. I, I can make cases for and against, but for sure, there's stats and eye test stuff that would say to you like. It's worth it, like at least trying. <laughs> at a minimum, right? At a yeah. minimum, Cam right. Thomas has shown he's obviously an NBA player, right? Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, not saying that. It's like, ooh, could he possibly not be? No, of course he is. Like everyone agrees, he's an NBA level player, and that's probably maybe the 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 thing that comes into this as well, and why you should be utilizing him more. Because we talk about over the course of this series specifically, we're in the postseason, we're playing the 76ers, but even at the back end of the year, this extended rotation, how deep are the Brooklyn Nets going to go? When you look at some of the guys that were even playing prior to the trade and after the trade, guys that we're fond of, Ayuda Watanabe, who was a career like 10 minute player before he came to Brooklyn, and then all of a sudden was getting some real volume in minutes and is 27 years old and has a more consistent, if lower, a set of skills than Cam Thomas does in any one individual area. But he's getting run, right? So there is, I think, this global level thing when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets and comes to Jacques Vaughn and these rotations of saying, at any point throughout this season that you want to point to it, to look at Cam Thomas, you can look at the other guys that we're playing and say, you can tell me that there's a certain level of expectation in every single category that you want from your players, whether they're coming off the bench or otherwise. But there are more than enough that you could point to and say, they're behind Cam Thomas in X, Y, and Z. They're not proving their worth in these key categories. So at a minimum, Cam Thomas should be a part of it. He should be a part of the conversation, part of the rotation, instead of seeming to go through these very violent you know, ebb and flows of getting 20-plus minute runs, getting dumpstered on the bench, and never seeing a single sniff. Yeah, look, and two things can be true here, and uh, we've said this multiple times over the course of the season. Like, I, I've never been the biggest like Cam Thomas fan, like as a, a as a like high level, like going very very deep in the playoffs, sort of like winning player like that. Sure. And, and it's like I'm all I've also we or we both been you know consistently confused about why this is also the situation. Like, two yeah. things can be true here. Like, he can you can be maybe a little lower than some of the people that are the highest on him and still say, Hey, no minutes, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, like zero minutes is the, is the, like, that doesn't make sense to me either. So, and, and when, I, and when we think about like him as a player, I think it is important to remember that like you can make a case for more without making a case for all. Right. Yes. Like, like well, there's a the, go ahead. 
And I know that's the funny thing because to, just to your point, you have not been as you're not as high on Cam Thomas as some others may be. I don't think I'm as high on him as, as some others may be, but I know that I, I may think a little more positively about what he could be for this team. But you, even as someone who does not advocate for Cam Thomas as being the answer for the Brooklyn Nets going forward, would still say, but he's worth something more than five minutes or getting benched, right? So there has yes, to be some splitting of the of difference here that they seem to struggle with. All right, look, in a second, we're going to talk about uh, some quotes that Jacques Vaughn had about this specific situation, which I think are pretty, or we think are pretty informative. And also we have some stats that go, you know, for the Cam Thomas route and against the Cam Thomas route as they finish off the series. We will get into that in a second. First, the championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. We're just talking about that right now with the Nets. It's same with your vehicle. So parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. With eBay Motors, a guaranteed fit, you'll be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. You just add your ride to my garage and you look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. People like to hear that when it comes to the vehicle. Just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. Over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Speaking of the right part fitting in, is Cam Tan Thomas that guy? So you go back and you look before we get to the Jock Vaughn quotes, which which I think we've we've had this sense of where the organization may be on Cam Thomas, which you could say is equally confusing, given that this is the same regime that drafted him. So you figure there would be an intention around what they thought he could develop into. But Cam Thomas, and I think that it's funny because these numbers aren't cementing any one thing about him. I went back and looked at this season. He played over 20 minutes in 24 games this year. And those 24 games, which, by the way, did not always include Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or both, that didn't include Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson or some of the other players. A 9-15 and record for the team in those games. And you can make the case, knowing that the Nets were narrowly under 500 on the back end, that's not dramatically different in terms of results, which would say, you know, go speak to the idea of, well, when he scores a lot, we lose games. 9-15. and but on top of that, there was also in games where they won or lost when he was the leading scorer. Two and four in games when Cam Thomas was the leading scorer. It's under 500, so this can be a deterrent about utilizing him, and we can look at the stats a little bit deeper about getting everyone involved. But I will say, just on the surface there, those numbers are not as dramatically bad as you would assume they would be, given that, again, probably half those games were not with the group of starters, the best possible players that he could have been on the court with. Yeah, look, I think there's a there's there's multiple ways to slice this that I think it kind of is probably the stats come down to just how you feel about Cam, I think, is my guess. Like, he is probably. just that kind. Like, he is. It's really crazy. It's like how you feel about him. You can I, I, I know people sometimes say this is the case it's like, oh, you can make stats you know, work any way you want. I mean, that's like kind of true, but not really. Um, it's like you could never make there's no stat that's going to make make like Nikola Jokic a bad player. Right. So like I, there's a hard limit to like what what people claim you can do with stats, because I know some people out there would be like, you can take stats you know, to do anything you want me, though. I'm like, eh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like there are some you, hard caps on these you things. can do it within a band you know yes. like but like you can't i can't be like you know I, I can't make a statistical case that Giannis should be out of the nba like but or something like that but 
with Cam, actually, it is really funny because I think there are stats that can go both ways here, like the ones you just mentioned. And then I can, I'll, I'll you know, give you other ones that go the other direction. But with him, there is actually a, fu- a pretty funny case to be made on both sides where it's like, however you feel about him going in, you'll find something that helps you good and good right. and bad <laughs> like and you'll right. find it pretty easily you'll find it pretty easily sometimes on the extreme edges which is also like a super weird thing about a player because usually the extremes are not usually you fall within a window in ba- especially basketball because it's kind of like you're you regress to your mean like most players are what they are but with him it's like so funny it's like hey it's it's like hey he can do these he's done something sort of sort of amazingly but if you dive in a little deeper it doesn't look as good so I- i'm with you on the stats but I just I'm also prefacing this by saying he's super weird here, man, because like it <laughs> right. can it, it's maybe just is a full opinion thing. We'll get to the Vaughn thing here in a sec. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, of course. And by the way, because I'm actually in the background, I'm doing this in real time as well, because just so this is really just to add into the idea of played 24 games, 20 minutes plus, And we talk about the record. He also played 22 games less than 10 minutes so like this is this this is this wild pendulum you wouldn't hate it if it was just he played over 40 games this year played 50 games this year and guess what he played somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes every single game along the way because then i think you would say even if it is opinion based you'd feel like you are drilling down on just uh, some concrete information that would tell you exactly what you think he is capable of being for you now by the way i will just throw in here quickly because i said in the background I was looking up the win-loss when he's playing underneath that 10-minute mark. And as it stands right now, oh, God, I'm so good at this, Doug. You wouldn't believe the real-time execution here. When Cam Thomas plays fewer than 10 minutes, and there were a couple of games I noticed where he played 10 or 11, and they won those games. But under 10 minutes, the win-loss record for the Brooklyn Nets, 14-8. and So, again, you want to keep piling this stuff in here. The play, his performance, his skill set, his ability, we can look at that about what it means just as an NBA level player. But, and I don't, maybe I'm mostly neutral on Cam Thomas as a player. I don't hate or love him. But I can now, I can start to paint a picture here with the numbers that when he plays more, the team is worse, right? Nine and 15 when he plays 20 plus minutes. And then you flip it the other way and they have a much stronger record without him playing. Uh, over 10 minutes now that case would also speak to most of those wins are when Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and the significant stars are playing more minutes yeah and that's why actually my my eye doesn't really I know people hate this but I my eye doesn't actually go to the wins and losses and I I, there's going to be certain segment of people that are going to say well that's the whole point I I get it I'm aware that the W's and L's are the binary between uh, good and bad here um, I just think there's so much context that goes into each one of those games of that I course. don't want to rifle through. Um, let me, okay. So listen, this is, this is what Jacques Vaughn said about the situation. A uh, good friend of the show, Eric Slater, um, yes, put this up on Twitter during the post game after Philly. And I thought Vaughn, he asked, um, he asked Jacques Vaughn if he considered going to Cam Thomas with the Nets struggling to score. That was Eric's exact question. This is Jacques' uh, quote. If I felt like we were struggling to get looks, maybe that could be an answer. But I thought we had good, we got good looks, and I thought they were makeable shots. Is Cam uh, on the back of my brain? Yes, and he knows that. Could he play when we get back to Brooklyn? Yes, but I didn't think we were struggling to get looks. The ball just didn't go in. When you hear that quote from Vaughn, does it sound like he's hedging, or does it sound like like an actual like real answer about about Thomas. Um, I'm curious what you think when you hear that quote, because he gives kind of an answer and kind of a non-answer, but there probably is something more. But when you know the context behind the whole situation, there maybe is like more to it than meets the eye or ear. I take so I do take a phase value because you go to game number two. 
the looks were there. They shot 31% from deep. More of those looks go in. It's a different looking game. And I think that Cam Thomas, if you want to say Jacques mentioned, he's on the back of my brain and Cam knows that. He's on the furthest back end, hanging on by one of the few hairs on Jacques Vaughn's head in terms of being on his mind. Because the, the, the front end of that answer is the game plan was right. We liked how we executed. The shots didn't fall. I don't, Jacques Vaughn, see anything significant that we need to change here. Like that would that that's my surface reaction to it. Cam Thomas is a young player. He's talented. I'm really not thinking about going to him until we probably feel like the games are blown out or the series is officially over, whatever however you want to look at it. Cam Thomas is not the first player that that Jock Vaughn is considering if he's making changes to this lineup. All right, in a second here, we will break down exactly what Cam would bring to the table, uh, and then we will bring exactly what Cam might bring off the table if he were to play here in Game 3 and Game 4. We'll get to that in a second. All right, so the here's the situation. Let's just we'll quickly go through the positives and negatives on on Cam here. Well, on, briefly like, here, you, did you agree? Sorry, did you do you agree with me in terms of the response that J, that Jock Vaughn gave and it basically being I, I'm I'm not considering Cam Thomas and as of right now. I looked at the game. I feel like we played well. The shots didn't fall. If the shots fall, I'd probably reject your question about Cam Thomas entirely because it would have been a closer game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I don't know if I necessarily agree. It's correct. I, I agree with that was what he was trying to convey. Um, yes. Like, and so I think there's a difference. I, I think that there's two things also can be true here. I see. Yeah, sorry for not responding to that. I, I no, agree no. with you. Um, the, Very important to make the distinction. I, I'm conveying what I think Jock Vaughn feels and, and thinks and is saying about Cam Thomas in this situation. I'm not telling you that I agree with what he and the Brooklyn Nets have done or are doing with Cam Thomas. Look, I said that I would run almost the exact same thing they ran in game two. Like we've, I, I've said that multiple times on the podcast. I would do almost the exact same thing because I think the looks were there. I agree with him. I can also make a case for like, I'll, I'll say it right now. Like I can make a case for also going the other way. Yes, I agree with you that Vaughn was was hedging away from probably not wanting to do it. Um, and that was his hedge, right? It's like, it's like, oh, they were good looks. And they were, like, they had a lot of good shots. They And they had some not so good shots. Like it wasn't all, it's a little overstated to say it was all good looks. I don't think that was the case. I think in general, the macro plan was there, but um, it wasn't all great. And so let's just roll through real quick. Go, like we'll go through some, some things. I'll, I'll, I'll throw out one and then we respond. Then you can, okay. we can kind of, kind of bandy this back and forth. One place I think Cam would really help them right now and the case for playing him would be him being able to attack a Philly drop coverage that wants to play Embiid like sort of like sort of deeper on and not come up to the level. Like we saw him become more on level when it came to Bridges. That was like sort of a problem for the Nets because uh, they because if you watch the game too, it's like Bridges had an impossible time getting into the mid range, like yep. because it was just not there for him. And they know like they take that one piece of away, the Nets aren't able to capitalize on it. If you have another guy that can attack sort of this more drop coverage or try to get to the rim because he takes a lot of contact at the rim and is really good at that. I actually do think this is a spot for him to at least throw a wrinkle into what the Sixers defensive plan is because the Nets, two things have been impossible for them. They can't get anyone else to score anywhere else but threes, (laughs) basically. Um, And except for McHale. And then, and then every time they try to go to the rim, it's like everything gets wiped away like a dry erase board. But like the, but Cam actually has a different skill set than every other guy, where he can draw contact in the lane and kind of alter a shot to like 
get it to go in. He can pull up in the mid range. He's shown better shooting at threes. I do think his particular skill set would begin to attack elements of the Sixers defense that has that other Nets have had an enormous problem with. So that, that's exactly the first place that I went to. You know, the first thing is, well, here's a guy that can, we know he can drive. We know he can get at the rim. Now I'm not going to sit here and say just because he's good at that means he's not going to struggle any less than some other Brooklyn nets. When you have Joel Embiid looming around, around the basket, but unlike Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas has already shown he's very adept in the mid range game and he's quick enough and dangerous enough on the drive that you can threaten settle in and knock down some of those mid-range. And if we want to look at Mikhail Bridges as the model of saying, here's a guy that wasn't taking as many threes in game number one, did try to get there in game number two, but his greatest value was settling into the mid-range, getting inside the arc, using the space that's created, as you said, by the drop coverage, and then punishing with consistency. I can make the argument that Cam Thomas is incredibly consistent at the mid-range shot, that that value is there for you. And contrasting it to Spencer Dinwiddie specifically, actually does elevate that as well because there's far too many possessions that especially in game number two yes we both agreed the nets need to take more threes but as i highlighted spencer dimwood has been terrible from beyond the arc since coming back to brooklyn so you lean into something that one of these guys doesn't do so well and the difference between 30 percent and 38 percent which is the difference from spencer dimwood to cam thomas that's going to matter on the outside and it's also going to matter in the mid-range so in terms of the positive ways that he can impact this team i 100 percent agree with you i think where we're going to go next year is what is the drawback to when he's on the court to be able to do those things on the offensive end? Yeah, so I think I think we can agree. And again, this is never an all or nothing thing because no, I, you know, you don't have to advocate for Cam Thomas by also advocating that he should like start over Dinwiddie and play forty yeah. minutes. Like I like right. I think you can both things can be true here, right? So on the one hand, I do I'm totally with the part. It has to be more. I I, I really feel it has to be more than zero. I, like that yeah. that I I feel pretty strongly about here. There's literally <laughs> that's, no downside. That's the biggest thing, right? It's well, yeah. There's just no downside. Nothing. I'm I'm keeping <laughs> just to stay on the positive here for one more second yeah. before we get to some of the negatives. Is like the reason it's more than should be more than zero is twofold. Like one, they're not winning the series even if Cam Thomas came in here. I, I, like let's just be realistic. That like the, the Cam Thomas would not be the difference between them, you know, g- running the table here and winning four games. I don't I don't think right, mm-hmm. but we've said from the beginning, make Philly uncomfortable, like, you know, just like take an extra game, exceed expectations, things like that. I think are important. The number does feel crazy to me that it's zero <laughs> like that. Right. Um, that, and I think as much as anything from a young player development standpoint, if you want to show confidence, like something like mm-hmm. it does feel a little nuts considering the general situation around the nets, which is like not a championship team to not give this guy any playing time feels crazy to me. Uh, like I, I, I don't understand it. And, and then we'll get to I'll, some of the negatives. Yeah. But I'll, and I'll also go high level positive too. Cause you mentioned you're not winning this series. So the other thing that you're, you're hurting potentially is just giving Tam- Cam Thomas run in playoff, meaningful playoff basketball, right? Confirm or deny. Is he, is he going to be capable of repeating it? Same thing we said about Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, by the way, right? Like to different levels and expectations, but Cam Thomas, you, you've shown that you are capable of being an elite level scorer. Go prove that you could do it in playoff basketball games where we know the defense becomes more intense, where the adjustments are more significant, right? You might actually get the confirmation that, oh boy, okay, he's going to come down to earth in playoff basketball. He's undersized. He's going to be, we'll talk about defensive liability. Okay, fine. But what if he can, what if he proves it? What if he does what Mikhail has done and says, I can be upwards of a 30-point scorer in playoff basketball? And then for Cam Thomas, maybe it's 20 points, 15 points, whatever it is. 
Why not allow him to go do that and get his experience? Because we talked at a high level about it being important for the team overall to get playoff experience. That's why we wanted them to make the playoffs and get these minimum four games against Philadelphia. Well, it has to matter to young players. Like, it has to matter for Cam Thomas. And that's a little bit of the confounding thing, as we say, about what the team feels about this kid. Yeah. And so, and here, so the, and the flip side to this is like where you might, where he, where we've always envisioned him as like this off the bench microwave kind of scorer guy. Um, Mm -hmm. that I think that's at least right now where he is on his trajectory. It feels like that's what the net, also the Nets could use is like sometimes like these Curry Harris combinations on the second rotations. It's like a little head scratching and you're kind of just hoping that Seth Curry can make some shots because that's sort of the only thing that's kept those lineups even a little bit above water. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of Joe Harris's plus nineteen from last game somehow, but um the Still so like those li- <laughs> those lineups I'm like hey I kind of think I know what we're getting here like why not try Cam in these lineups okay. yep. so that is just the other part so the, the the flip side to this is like the, you have to understand there are certain things you are not going to get with Thomas like for the one is you're not going to get ball distribution like he's going he's not going to be running a ton of pick and roll like he's not gonna ever have any assists like Mm -hmm. his minutes are gonna be him shooting like that is kind of his game right now like he doesn't facilitate offense he's gotten a little better or maybe a lot better on the catch and shoot three because he's actually shot those whereas he was not taking them in in past years he was Mm -hmm. you know kind of giving up on closeouts and and wanting to get sort of to the rim he did start taking those more consistently which is a really really good sign um i thought but in general like you're not getting this like super dynamic motion offense with, with cam like running off a million screens and stuff. It's kind of like letting him cook and everyone else can kind of just check out what's going on. Right. Like I, yeah. I do think that that is a trade-off you get with him. Now, some people might say, well, that's that trade-offs great when it's like Joe Harris and Dorian Finney Smith. And like, those are the lineups, like that's fine. <laughs> like, so, but understand that it's not, he doesn't, he's not an offensive engine that makes it all this other stuff sort of happen around him. He's it's kind of cam Island and that's what the offense is going to be. I won't even bother. And I I agree with you. I won't even bother with, with the defensive piece of it because Seth Curry's out there and Joe Harris is out there. So, you know, yes, he would be a liability, but no worse than other players that are getting minutes right now for the Brooklyn Nets. So if we even look back, I'm going to try to even say even more positive around this as well. Because the other thing is, he does, you know, it's funny, like the last two games, the season finale, which was all him, you know, all the time, no starters, uh, but he got to the line eight times in that game, knocked all those down. The previous meeting, though, where he played over 20 minutes, didn't get to the line once against Philadelphia. So it's like you're trying to split the difference there. But averaging on this year, Cam Thomas is behind. You take away Kevin Durant because he's not on the team. You take away Kyrie Irving. That means that he's only behind Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Cam Johnson, uh, and then also Nicholas Claxton. But right there, even with Nicholas Claxton, three attempts per game. And we know that those minutes are not one-to-one with those players. So whether or not it would be all-time successful driving into the basket, another place that you can make a dent against the Philadelphia 76ers potentially is winning that free-throw battle. And Cam Thomas is excellent, 86% at the line, right? So there is also this other thing that he can do to impact the game. To your point that it's going to be Cam Island, I agree with that. I would also make the mild case, especially if you go back and look at game number two, and specifically at Royce O'Neal. This is the guy who's been asked to do everything under the sun and has been pretty adaptable to it. But the one area, the hot and cold three-point shooting. If you maybe, because I, I agree with you, this isn't the stardom over Spencer Dinwiddie conversation. This isn't even necessarily for me, get him heavy minutes with a lot of the starters. 
This is maybe get him on the floor with Royce O'Neal, who has shown the ability and willingness to facilitate and set up others and let Cam play a little bit off ball and then see if you can set up some offensive sets where Cam gets a very clear-cut decision. Ball in your hand, attack downhill at the basket, pull up the catch-and-shoot three, and let's see if we can actually val maximize your value by pigeonholing you into executing what we want you to be best at. Like, I think there is a path there for him to have success in a meaningful way rather than just Cam Thomas for 20-plus shots, and it all kind of doesn't matter because you're losing by 15 or 20. Yeah, look, yeah, again, the, the whole theme here is this is all a gradient, right? It's like it, it, it doesn't all have to be one or the other thing. It should be just let's try some new things here. Like let's yeah. and let's have it like even starting small. So I, I actually do real quick, your prediction. I, I guess you already predicted it because you said it with a Jacques Vaughn. I, you say so you think he's just not going to play game three, right? Like, do you think like, is that where you is that where you land? It's hard for me to say that he's going to play, given everything that's been said about him and the way that they haven't used him. And I'll, I'll add in, I think that he should play. Like we talked about, yep. Joe Harris shouldn't be out there making adjustments. They went smaller, and that was that was effective for them. So I, I see a value for him. It just feels like, you know what I'll say, man? I know I'm just going to be long-winded. What I, what I feel like could happen would be one of the biggest disservices to Cam Thomas. If Jacques Vaughn and the Nets wait, until they're down by 15 or 20 points midway through the third quarter, say, yeah. to give Tam Cam Thomas some run. You know what you do? You force him into the exact thing that everyone says it's all that he is. He's going to take all the shots. He's going to be ball dominant. Well, guess what? That's exactly what you would expect a high-volume scorer like him to do when you're down like that. So they may actually be hurting him by not trying to give him, give him a two-minute run in the first quarter. Give him a minute. You know what I mean? Have him have five minutes by halftime and see if you think that there's something there because they did do a bit of that uh, in the back end of the regular season where they would give him this, hey, man, the next three, four minutes, it's all you, baby, cook. And then, yeah, go back to the bench because guess what? That's what a microwave scorer can do. Be ultra effective without needing to be consistently utilized throughout 48 minutes. Yeah, it's you know it's funny. I wasn't even thinking about because I was going to give that exact scenario, but without the downside, <laughs> because I was going. I'm <laughs> right. glad I'm glad you framed it like that because I actually thinking about it differently now. Because I was going to say I was like, my guess is he plays. My guess is it's some scenario like the first. It's like the third quarter and they're down or something like that, or scoring in the first half was a problem or something like that. And I was like, that's where we're going to see him. But I kind of hadn't done the thought experiment out far enough where I was like, oh yeah, but that would suck because that would be problematic around these things or or if six is funny because there's like a really bad scenario that could happen here uh on a um like just on an optics level where like the frankly the worst thing that could happen right now for like Jacques Vaughn and I I hope this would never play into the the, the process but it would be like if Cam went out in a third quarter and was like five for five and got them in the game I you want to see people's heads explode like there will be it's almost like again like an existential problem because if he goes out there and does it and helps you win, you're like, great, we won. But the next question, the very next question will be, uh, hey, why did we wait that long? Now, I don't know. That's a lot to have happens. I don't know if that's but, all that happens. But even paint, but paint, paint the maybe paint the consistent picture that we've seen in sample sizes where Cam plays more. He goes out there, he scores 20 points. The team loses by 15 or 20, but he's effective when he's out there. You know, you said at the top here. If you're of your opinion, it's a pretty wide pendulum that people swing on when it comes to Cam Thomas. If you think that he should be playing the third quarter minutes where the team still loses by the same margin, but he's scoring a lot, they're going to say he needs to be playing more. The other side is going to say 
it didn't matter for all of his buckets. The team still lost. He didn't close the gap at all, right? So it, it, it you, you are correct, and I and I would the 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 dangerous area is what you said. He goes out and actually helps them come back into a game, which you and I would be all on board with. Jacques Vaughn is going to look pretty awful if he's capable of doing that. I will give the caveat. He's had plenty of those opportunities throughout the season, and it hasn't always played out that way. So if he went and did it, I'll check it off as the next step in his evolution and be elated around it. And that is my case for saying, use him throughout the game. Don't put yourself into this spot because for better or worse, why don't you just get the sample size that tells you what he's capable of alongside some of these other key players for you? And this matters in the long term too, by the way. If you think Cam Thomas is going to be a part of this team going forward, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and whatever the next iteration is, you'd love to find out that he can play with these guys. I know they do this in the background. There's practices and everything else, but it's the biggest possible stage that you could show them on. Why not do it? It doesn't hurt you in trade value as well. I know I'm getting off the rails here, but like, there's no downside to playing him for your own organization and potentially for anything you want to do in the off season. Totally down, agree. No chance to win a series. And this is how intense I am. Yeah. Look, I totally agree with you. I usually don't trend this way because, because look, I, I went this whole st- podcast without bringing up some advanced stats here that do not help his case at all. Like the advanced yes. stats are, are brutal. Are they yeah, brutal? Hit those like numbers they, before they, and it's not good. It's, it's bad. They're, they're, they're bad. I, and I'm not trying to end on a negative note. I, I'm more saying it as like a, if you, di- if you dive into the advanced stats and this stuff, it does not help his case. It hurts his case immensely, immensely. But even with that said, it's still, because of this Nets situation, like their specific situation right now, I'm totally with you. It makes no sense. Like they should, there's no, there's literally no downside to playing him. <laughs> I don't think, except for that thing that I said before, which make the organization maybe look bad. And I'm not even suggesting that's why they're not doing it. I'm just saying I can't think of many other downsides. And even it's like Seth Curry, even when Seth Curry has good shooting performances in games, there's no value to it. Like, and again, oh, yeah, like well, we said, by the way, his, sorry to interrupt you, but real quick, I just said his advanced stats and Curry's are like the same. Yeah. <laughs> like so a lot exactly. like, like so, so offensive box plus minus and stuff like that. Right. If you're going to go like for like on all the upsides and downsides, et cetera, why not go with the 22 year old, not the 30 year old who's not going to be here next year. Right. Oh baby. Yeah. So yeah, I, I meant to throw that in there. It was like, uh, Kurt, like if you want a one-to-one comp and like other guys who sort of exist in the same like uh, OBPM stuff and, and win shares and um and that rating, like Seth's right there with them near the bottom. So like whatever. It's like they are playing one of these guys too. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. Fun one definitely today for sure. Looking forward to game three. We'll be live on YouTube following the game. So make sure you go jump over. Locked on Nets YouTube. We'll get that going live. We always go extra on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to Locked on Nets over on YouTube. Nets are going to win the home game here and get one at least in this series, my friends. And by the way, when you're young, everything feels like the end of the world, but it's not. It's just the beginning. That's Zachary Efron. Oh, was that uh, Neighbors? What movie is that? Michael Donald, Neighbors. You better believe it, brother. There wow, we go. Good, good flick, man. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that's a, that's a good one. One of the all-time <laughs> great poets and easy on the eyes, too. We'll be back again tomorrow <laughs> talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.